So many look at a gifted kid and they think, oh, well, why aren't you getting straight A's? And they miss the piece about a child who could have a learning difference or a child who can, you know, potentially um, not be engaged because they may already know the material. Welcome to Tilt Parenting, a podcast featuring interviews and conversations aimed at inspiring, informing, and supporting parents raising differently wired kids. I'm your host, Debbie Reber. This week, I'm bringing back to the podcast neuroscientist, author, and speaker, Dr. Nicole Tetro. As you'll hear in our conversation, Nicole was propelled to study neuroscience after her mother's diagnosis with Parkinson's disease. She then went on her own journey of self-discovery while supporting her twice-exceptional son and recognizing many traits in herself. All this culminated in her new book, Insight into a Bright Mind, a neuroscientist's personal stories of unique thinking, which melds groundbreaking research with the captured experiences of unique, creative, and intense brains. And can I just say, I really loved Nicole's new book. I'm excited to give you an inside look at it as it's truly a unique and important addition to what currently exists to help parents better understand their exceptional kids' needs and perhaps to better understand themselves as well. Nicole brings an incredible breadth of knowledge and personal experience to the neurodiversity movement, as well as a deep passion for science communication. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Before I get to that, I want to give a quick shout out to Jessica Shannon and Holly Stern, two new supporters of this show. Thank you so much. Supporters like you make it possible for me to keep bringing these conversations to listeners everywhere by helping me cover the costs associated with producing this podcast. If you're a regular listener and you get a lot out of the show and would like to support it, I invite you to join my Patreon campaign. Through Patreon, you can make a small monthly contribution, as little as $2 a month, to help cover the cost of production. To learn more, visit patreon.com slash tiltparenting. And now, here's my conversation with Nicole. Hello, Nicole. Welcome back to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I just was thinking of the last time you were on, it was probably about a year ago, and we were kind of newer or just adapting to the realities of COVID and talking about what our kids were and us as parents were going through. So hard to believe that was a whole year ago, but I'm so excited to be bringing you back to talk about your incredible book. And before we get into that, Can you just take a few minutes, introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about your story and maybe how you came to to write the book that we're going to be talking about today? Okay. Yeah. So how I came about the book um, really was kind of a journey to um, kind of take a deep dive in into what we have entrenched in our society about um, intelligence and giftedness and neurodiversity and to kind of really provide the latest um, scientific information for parents and educators to really understand the complexities that goes on in neurodiverse kids. Um, You know, my son was identified as gifted in, in third grade, and it really 
reshaped my entire life of how I parented him because what I had to really do was step outside of myself and see him and nurture him as a as his divine essence and kind of bringing who he is to light and in that you know i know that often neurodiverse kids struggle with the ways that they don't fit in to society's standard box they're very um unique and unconventional and I really wanted to give the scientific background of what's happening in the brain and the body of individuals so really we can have a more compassionate dialogue and greater acceptance for neurodiverse kids and adults. (laughs) You know, I mean, Mm -hmm. often it's not too far that when parents figure out they have a neurodiverse kid, they say, oh, my goodness. I've been dealing with all these different things my entire life. And another big piece for me was reading all the different work that was out there, starting with um, James T. Webb and Susan Daniels and your book and the things that you kind of discover along the way that, oh, I'm neurodiverse too. And I've been kind of you know, hiding pieces, you know, and being in this sort of shadow form. And so it was sort of an awakening for me to stand and say, hey, you know, I'm dyslexic. You know, I've had a different wired brain my entire life, um, like your book. (laughs) And it really was sort of a, a way that I felt like I could actually talk about it on a couple different levels. Would you mind sharing a little bit about your own journey with dyslexia? Because, you know, your voice, this is such a unique book, first of all, in the way that it is so personal. And it is the neuroscience, but in such an accessible way. It, to me, was such an unusual and unique approach to a topic that could be really cerebral or really heady. And instead, it felt so inviting and accessible. So part of that was you, you know, you as the narrator, you as the storyteller. So could you just tell us a little bit more about your own discovery of your neurodivergence? Yeah. So how I came into my own neurodiversity and, and I actually, I want a lot of listeners to listen to this piece because perhaps you have a number of aspiring writers and in writing this, um, it was an experiment. You know, I um, definitely did things deliberately where I kind of converged a lot of different forms with kind of the inspiration between Lydia Yuknovich, her writing in the sense that, you know, kind of breaking certain types of form and, and inviting the reader in in a different way. And it was an experiment. And in that, I had my very first editor um, who said to me, this just isn't going to work. This, you, you're trying too many different things. What's your audience? What are you doing? And I had to really let go of that editor and find a new one. And when I found my new editor, it so happens that she has synesthesia herself, <laughs> and, mm-hmm. but she happens to be very good with words um, and grammar and things like that. And I had, you know, a neurodiverse editor and 
she really said, we can get this to work and saw the experiment on the page and playing with the different forms. And so that's just a side note about writing that I wanted to really share with your readers that, you know, sometimes when you're taking a risk, you know, things may not work out, (laughs) things may work out. Um, And as you talk about, you know, the piece where I really wanted to make neuroscience accessible, you know, having in this journey, I read over 2000 papers trying to really figure things out. And in that, my passion to really communicate science and not totally make it, you know, so simplified that it was meaningless, that I kind of wanted the reader along the way to look upwards if they didn't understand something. And if I didn't, you know, if there was something I explained and they were really interested even further to take that topic into their own domain to investigate, I really wanted to bring light also what the latest neuroscience was, you know, and that really comes from the fact of when I became a neuroscientist, my mother had Parkinson's disease. And a lot of what I saw was going on in the laboratory wasn't translated to the patients and the population that needed it mostly. And there was always this kind of seven to eight year lag between the two. And so for me, I really, really wanted to communicate the science in an effective way where people were empowered and they have the latest data where they can make informed decisions about themselves and their children and coming from a place of knowledge for their family. Um, So that's really where that came from. Hmm. So fascinating. Yeah, again, it totally works. And I love hearing the little side note story of finding that editor who really got it. And that is such an important part. You know, as a writer, I know how critical that is. And it really, it really works. And so let's talk more about brain wiring. You know, why do you feel so important that people understand what's really happening with neurodivergent, with twice exceptional, with these fascinating, differently wired humans? Well, I feel like it's the basis, right? I think that, um, you know, part of how we've come into this world is we have these neuro unique imprints. We have this neuro individuality. And I think what happened when we think about the educational system early on was this kind of mass production of having kids sit in the classroom with their hands crossed, you know, and doing the work and listening. And when you think about it, children's brains and adults' brains were not meant to sit for extended periods of time, you know, taking in information and also producing, especially if information isn't engaging. And so the reason why the wiring and the different types of wiring are so important is that brains respond to information based on the way it's presented in two main ways, an emotional connection and a level of engagement. So if you're teaching a child something and an adult, if you're teaching somebody something that they already know, their brain is going to be naturally less engaged, first of all. Second of all, if 
if the information is not meeting the level of engagement, either if it's too high or too low, you're going to get low motivation. So the point we look at, you know, different types of brain wiring and different types of the way the brain really responds has to do with creating a high level maximal engagement. So for example, we know, you know, kids that are gifted that if they are being taught rote information and it's not meeting their level, they're not going to be motivated in class. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you give them work that's meeting their level, then they are going to thrive. The other thing that I really think we do a major disservice to um, is our children who are on the autism spectrum. There's so many different mistakes that we make in the fact that children on the spectrum and adults have very different communication and production styles. And when we don't take that into account in life, um, not just in the educational system, we can really miss their natural gifts, talents, and abilities because they really communicate differently than us. And so we have to kind of step outside of ourselves and really inquire um, what's going on in that neuro-uniqueness. How is that individual able to convey and share information and how can we help them kind of nurture their natural strengths and and show us what their gifts are. And so that's why the brain wiring really matters when we think about it. And even when you think about children who, you know, are diagnosed with ADHD, you know, they tend to be highly creative. Um, They can manage a lot of information at once. And so when we kind of can look at the positives and the strengths in each of these different types of neurotypes, we're able to better guide them to naturally share their um, gifts and their and their real strengths. And a lot of these different brain wirings as well tend to be really beneficial for society. Um, and they're necessary, you know, and as you point out in your book and, and I do as well, it's, you know, it's one in five individuals. So, I mean, we kind of need to really open up and help these individuals really share their unique ways of thinking because they can be the ones who lead us in the new direction for, you know, solutions in our society. We'll be right back after this quick break. This year, I've been working on becoming more attuned to my body, and so I'm starting to really recognize how periodic spikes in anxiety or disruptions to my routines can seriously throw my whole system off. And as I've been traveling a ton this past month, which is both disruptive and somewhat stressful, I'm especially glad that I have the extra support of Symbiotic Plus, a three-in-one supplement from Ritual with clinically studied prebiotics, probiotics, and a postbiotic to support a balanced gut microbiome. Symbiotic Plus provides fuel to the cells that make up the gut lining to support a healthy gut barrier. And it comes in this very cool minty delayed release capsule, which was specifically designed to help survive the harsh conditions of the upper GI tract for delivery to the colon. The bonus is that the capsules don't need to be refrigerated, so I can easily bring them with me in my carry-on. On a personal level, I love that Ritual is committed to sustainability. They're a female-founded B Corp, meaning they are holding themselves accountable long-term to not only think about their company's financial health, but also the health of people and our planet. 
There's no more shame in your gut game. Symbiotic Plus and Ritual are here to celebrate, not hide your insides. Get 25% off your first month for limited time at ritual.com slash tilt. Start Ritual or add Symbiotic Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash tilt for 25% off. Hey there, it's Debbie. I love making this show and sharing conversations about how to support our awesome neurodivergent kids. I've seen how even one little insight from an interview can spark a big shift in daily life. But I know that raising complex kids can be messy and lonely. And just when we think we figured it out, something comes up that boots us right back to feeling overwhelmed and stuck. That's why I've poured everything into creating a way for parents like us navigating complex parenting journeys to join together and chart a path that feels positive, hopeful, and doable. It's the brand new Differently Wired Club experience. In the club, you'll get personal support from me and other seasoned parent coaches, six live calls every month where you can connect and get your personal questions answered, the opportunity to learn directly from authors and experts like I have on this show, monthly themes for getting specific and tactical, an exclusive private podcast feed, and the best, most generous community of parents. Seriously, these folks show up for themselves and each other, and that right there is really everything. Because it's a daily reminder that we're not alone. Our kids aren't broken, and we have totally got this. The recently rebooted Differently Wired Club is on a brand new platform with its very own iOS and Android app. It is such a great space. However you learn, whatever your style, no matter the ages, genders, and neurodivergent profile of your children, the Differently Wired Club can help you cultivate the positive shifts you're hoping for. Join us today by going to tiltparenting.com slash club. That's tiltparenting.com slash club. I hope to see you on the inside. Well, what do you think is getting in the way, you know, from these kids being able to support their gifts? What what are kind of the misunderstandings or the misinterpretations? You know, how is society and educational systems really getting it wrong when it comes to neurodivergent kids and especially to e-kids? Well, I think there are a, a lot of complexities. I think first and foremost, I think educational systems are inundated with meeting test standards. And so academic performance um, is really the greatest measure for the success of teachers rather than actual child's and the whole class's engagement. I think We also really struggle with the fact that when we're looking at these sort of standardized tests that we're putting pressure on for our kids is that when we know the brain and individuals develop asynchronously, uh, meaning that their brain doesn't develop all at the same time, um, they may be very quite ahead, years ahead in reading, but may take uh, delayed time for written production, is that we can be totally missing their abilities because the tools, the blunt instruments that we're using don't measure their actual abilities. And then I think the third thing is, is that sheer education. I think um, our educators get credentials and I think they are talented individuals out there working. And at the same time, they're not equipped with the skills or the tools to deal with one in five kids being neurodivergent. And I think that, 
you know, when you have 30 kids in a classroom, you know, that can be very overwhelming to an educator and they may not know how to handle that. And more often than not, you know, these kids tend to miss marks. They tend to think outside the box, but thinking outside the box means that they could also have behaviors that are outside of the box where they're not kind of seen as society as acceptable behaviors. And a lot of these kids get really deemed with um, being disruptors or low motivation or bad behaviors when it has to do with the fact that there's a misalignment in their learning and engagement. And there's a misalignment in really understanding how to motivate their unique mind because they're so centered on academic performance and achievement. And so there there are kind of layers of issues that we're dealing with. And so that's why, and I think the other thing too, is that in society in general, when we talk about neurodiverse kids, you know, and we're talking about gifted, you know, so many look at a gifted kid and they think, oh, well, why aren't you getting straight A's? And they miss the piece about a child who could have a learning difference or a child who can, you know, potentially um, not be engaged because they may already know the material. And so I think as a society, what's happening is we're developing these schools um, that are secondary schools that focus on you know, kids that are neurodivergent. Um, but I think in our standard school system, there's really a miss within the system itself. I'm wondering if you see opportunities here, you know, as we're recording this, it's May, 2021. We have this idea that in the fall, most kids will be returning to some sort of quote unquote normalcy in schools. And there are a lot of conversations happening about, you know, that we don't want to go back to the way things were. And what can we take with us that we've learned about how kids think and process and how can we change things moving forward? So do you see opportunities in the traditional education model as we, you know, re-enter school life? Yeah, I, I do see that what educators and parents and kids really dealt with with this year was a lot of adaptability and flexibility. And I think that the fact that kids went from in-person where they really lost that social-emotional connection and have been on Zoom and had alternative learning styles, I think there's been kind of a window of opportunity for children and educators to see how each child kind of learns differently and, and how certain things of the pandemic may have worked better and how certain things may have been more challenging. And I think that there is a great growth opportunity um, for educators to kind of create a more inclusive environment, especially when it comes with, you know, the way children produce information, the way a child learns, you know, understanding um, if you have a child who tends to be very into the mode of learning naturalistically, how are you going to, you know, bring that into the classroom in their math? And 
how is there going to be kind of this more holistic approach to education rather than this kind of rote um, machine that I think what has been practiced in, in the past years? Yeah, it's going to be very interesting indeed. And um, I'm feeling cautiously optimistic <laughs> that we're going to see some some changes based on the learnings of the past year um, in more traditional settings. But I'm not going to ask you to solve the educational uh, crisis and um, figure and, and come up with the, the perfect blueprint for how schools can really meet these kids' needs. But you know, what have you learned are some of the best practices when it comes to, you know, even just us as parents and caregivers supporting neurodivergent learners? Yeah. I mean, I think the model of um, Dr. Susan Baum is really probably the primary mode <laughs> that she at Bridges Academy and Bridges Graduate School of, of Education for Cognitive Diversity really centers on the strength-based model that when you find where a child has natural strengths, you support it and you guide that child through their learning based on their strengths. And when you do that, there becomes this more holistic approach where areas that they may be more challenged, they learn how to have these natural abilities develop concurrently. I think the second piece is, is bringing in supports when a child needs it. You know, if you have a child who really kind of struggles with executive functioning and turning things in, you know, creating systems where they don't have to deal with turning in assignments. You know, my son was the type of kid in middle school where he would get all his work done, the kid who didn't write his name on his papers, and the teachers knew his writing, right? Because he was he he had very unique writing. And the deal was is turning in his homework was such a challenge that we came to the conclusion that there's one folder, you know, when he was in sixth grade where the first period teacher handed it off to the second period teacher and so on and so forth. And by the end of the year, he had one homework folder that he gained the skill to transfer it himself. And so sometimes, you know, kids just take a little bit longer time to learn these sort of executive functioning skills. And I think it's really important that they're not shamed or having points taken off or demonized for having really different types of modes because he was a type of kid who was so excited would get his go straight to the work. And it didn't matter if his name was on the paper. And so when it comes back to it, when you give the child the room to really explore their natural talents and their strengths, and you build from that learning becomes automatically engaging learning becomes highly motivated where they're getting high levels of dopamine where it's rewarding and they're in flow. And then on top of it, if they have areas where they need support, bring them in. Yeah, that's great. We'll be right back after this quick break. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. 
I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. Feel like you're the martyr in your family? You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a No Guilt Mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model. So that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt-free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Get Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows. So your book is... You know, I think it's required reading for parents raising twice exceptional or neurodivergent kids. But I can also just see so many parents coming to this book thinking they're, they want to read about how to support their child and really recognizing themselves, you know, their own 2E-ness, if you will. So I'm wondering what thoughts you have for parents reading the book who self-identify as part of their incorporating you know, your words as like, is there an onboarding process for, for parents who kind of come to these conclusions about themselves as adults? Yeah, I think um, that's often the case. I think, you know, with previous books in the past that have really delved into this area, that's always the case that you're in search to support your child. And along the way, you realize, oh, genetically, you know, they're mm-hmm. half me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, coming into that, I mean, I think really stepping back and redoing your own blueprint, you know, that was what happened for me at the time when I finished my PhD. I was kind of lined up with a standard postdoc job and it was a really exciting opportunity. And I had to decide in that moment to really transition my career and decide to become a science communicator. And um, in that, it took a a lot of time and and a whole new layers of skills and muscles to learn. But in that, Concurrently, I was finding my son was twice exceptional and I was twice exceptional. And, you know, a lot of compassion, I think really that that softening awareness of coming to the moment like this is it. This is part of who I am and this is okay, and this belongs. You know, I think there had been so many stories, you know, from our educational times where I I I'll speak for myself, stuffed myself down because I didn't fit in that box. And I thought, this is what it's like to be an adult. This is what it's like to be a scientist. This is, and it's like, no, be me. 
and whatever those parts come out. And so I think in the exploration of this book, you know, really, I think the parents coming to honoring their own personal story and I'm working on a workbook to go with it right now because I've had so many people with questions and and kind of want that guidance. And, and so part of that is sort of exploratory journalistic writing to kind of identify your own story along the way. Yeah. I mean, reading it, that's what it, it felt like to me, as I said in the beginning, not just accessible, but you use the word compassion and it really that sense of compassion, of self-compassion, and just a lot of grace and understanding for our own personal journeys really comes through. And it, and so it it's just a different... It was so different in so many ways because it, it isn't prescriptive. It's, it's informative. And it's almost like a big welcome to the club book, you know? <laughs> and as I was reading it, I was lucky enough to get an advanced copy, as you know. Thank you very much. And I, there were so many people I instantly thought of that I wanted to send this book to because I think it would be very comforting um, to have that as a companion in their own journeys as adults. So, you know, listeners, the book is called Insight into a Bright Mind, a Neuroscientist's Personal Stories of Unique Thinking. It's a very unique book. And is there anything that we haven't covered about the book that you would really want listeners to know about today? No, I mean, I think we covered a lot of material. And I just think what you've been doing for the community for the past, I don't know, seven, eight years, <laughs> really supporting them has been an inspiration to me and has, has guided my way through it. And I think, you know, with your podcast and with Differently Wired, your book, there is so much of that compassion and 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 the advocacy piece of you know let's work on this together you know we may not solve everything at once but we'll do it step by step and i think you know i just have so much gratitude to you know spend this time with you and connect with you on our shared interest and passions in this Thank you so much. And, you know, listeners, you should just know that this is our third device, um, our third app. So if you hear different sound qualities throughout this interview, it's because we kept getting booted off of different systems. So um, Nicole has been very patient uh, with my tech issues today. Um, but please take a moment and let listeners know where they can connect with you and learn more about your work. Yeah, they can uh, visit my website, NicoleTatro.com. Um, I'm on Instagram and uh, Twitter at Awesome Neuro. And um, a lot of my writings are on my website. And uh, my book is everywhere books are sold. So, you know, I'd love to hear from you, reach out. And, you know, Debbie, I'd have to say persistence, you know, <laughs> is the is the through line of this <laughs> mm -hmm. podcast. And uh, <laughs> it kind of just shows what you have to do to be a parent of a neurodivergent kid is persistent. <laughs> yes, it was a very themed experience today, for sure. <laughs> That's great. Well, thank you so much. And I, I really appreciate the words that you uh, said at the end about tilt parenting. And just, I actually wrote about this in my newsletter last week, um, as I have been interviewing folks for the summer season of this podcast. I've talked with Jonathan Mooney, who is an incredible advocate and just so many fantastic people. And it is really exciting when you think about everyone out there, right? Who's doing work and, and approaching this 
paradigm shift from different perspectives and we're all in this together, it gets me really excited. So thank you so much for for your part in this movement and for sharing all of this with us today. Well, thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to the Tilt Parenting Podcast. For the show notes for this episode, visit tiltparenting.com slash podcast and search for this conversation. If you like what you heard on today's episode, I would be grateful if you could take a minute to head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating or a review. Thank you so much for helping us stay visible so people who would benefit from the show can easily find it. If you want to support the show and help me cover the cost of production, please consider joining my Patreon campaign. To support the show, just visit patreon.com slash tilt parenting. Lastly, if you aren't already part of the online community at Tilt, I invite you to sign up at tiltparenting.com on the box in the bottom where it says join the revolution. Every Thursday, I send out a short email with a quick note from me, a link to that week's podcast episode, and links to five stories from the news that week that are relevant to parents like us. Again, you can sign up and learn more about Tilt at www.tiltparenting.com. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Ko, and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts.